Welcome to another edition of Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rapper. I almost said another podcast today. I just host too many of these things nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> At least we have basketball to talk about now. It's back. Let's it go. The boys are back in town. Basketball is back. I, I you know me. I, I've been pessimistic about this whole thing the entire time. Um, I woke up this morning one day away from real basketball being back in our lives, and I'm excited, Scott. I, I, I feel like a kid on Christmas Adam morning, so the 23rd of December, not Christmas Eve, but Christmas Adam morning. Uh, and it, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I really feel like it's going to hit me that, oh, my God, we, we made it. I know. It's been, a, it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, it feels like the last – it's been, what, four months? It feels like it's been Jeez. 14 months. Um, so it's, it's finally here. I don't think the – Everything that's been going on in Orlando, I don't think it could have got off to a better start. Let's hope it stays that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, basketball's back. It's here. Yeah. That's the main thing we also have to remember, that we're still in the middle of a pandemic, uh, and it, it is still early days of the pandemic. We, we really don't know when we'll hit the finish line of this thing. But to see that the NBA has put in the proper protocols and uh, done the best that they can, barring you know skies going off the campus and maybe getting wings at their local gentleman's spot club. But regardless of that, uh, everything has been top notch. We haven't had an outbreak, uh, and it doesn't look like, knock on wood, we'll have an outbreak. Uh, you know, providing that everyone stays under the guidelines that are that are in place right now. But it's still early. It's still very early in this thing. Where we've only been in the bubble for what three weeks now. We exactly. have all the way till October uh, to, to 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 make it to. So, fingers crossed. We finally get to make it and crown an NBA champion safely and hopefully if you're a raptor fan the raptors will be playing as long as possible in the bubble we saw three scrimmages uh three scrimmage games the last two dragged uh i'm not gonna lie <laughs> those 12 minute quarters when you know the game doesn't matter uh, i love i love me some garbage basketball in summer league uh you know you get to see what different players can do i just want to get to the real games now and i, I wish that they kept the, the, the uh the quarters at 10 minutes but we made it through, and we ha- I took away some stuff from uh, those three scrimmages. So we'll talk about that on this very podcast. Things that we took away from the three scrimmages. First, Scott, what was one of the big things that you took away from, from the three scrimmages that the Raptors had? I think, I think the best place to start is with OG Ananobi. Because, look, OG's improved quite a lot. Not, not nearly as much or at the same rapid pace as Pascal Siakam has over the last couple of years. But he has shown some, some growth. Um, you know, we, we knew he was going to be a great defender when he first came in the league, but it's the fact that he has become a very a quite reliable three-point shooter. He's still not like a big-time volume three-point shooter, but he's, you know, above average three-point shooter, which provides valuable spacing. And this season, he's starting to do more off the dribble, particularly on like straight-line drives to the basket. And I think the encouraging thing that we saw in those scrimmages is that he was putting the ball in the deck a little bit more. He had some nice passes. He had some nice finishes at the rim. And one of the things that jumped out to me in the first game against the Houston Rockets in particular was he actually posted up a couple times um, when he thought he had a favorable mismatch. And look, those possessions didn't really go anywhere. We don't have to trick ourselves into thinking that OG's suddenly going to be this huge post-up scorer. But I, I do think it, it probably points towards the Raptors trying to figure out a way to weaponize him. Because I do think with him being the weakest offensive player in that starting lineup, I think teams are going to target him in the playoffs. Like when you, when you get to the second round, when you get to the third round, when you're playing against teams like the Celtics and Bucks, like if the Celtics can put Kemba Walker 
on OG Ananobi. Do you know what I mean? Like that that's a huge win for them because they they don't really have to worry about Kemba. And then they might be able to play OG off the floor. And that's huge for the Raptors because he's arguably the best offensive uh, defensive player. Right. So if OG can like post up Kemba and get a couple easy buckets against him, um, maybe that's a way that they can kind of keep OG on the floor in those situations and prevent teams from hiding um, small or weaker defenders on him. So that's why I think, you know, we, we didn't see a ton of it in the scrimmages, but the, the little doses that we did get of it, um, I think as a Raptors fan, you kind of have to be encouraged for all those reasons. Yeah, and uh, I wrote about it in his his, his ability to to uh, to kind of use his newfound handle. We saw some signs that he's been working on his dribble in the game against Portland, and you know, it, obviously they're not going to put him in a situation where he is in isolation mode. He's not going to turn into James Harden, right? Like he's never going to be that type of player. Right. But right now, outside of Siakam, no one else on the Raptors can even do that or, or, or even being put in a position to go one-on-one. And I know Norm Powell can get his own shot in, in, a, in a very, you know, in, in a crunch. But for the most part, it's, it's Siakam. And he gets a lot of possessions in terms of uh, isolations. I think it's 4.4 4. 4 isolations possessions per game. And in the playoffs, when the game slows down a lot more, teams are taking away things that you go to offensively. The ball probably doesn't move a lot as it, as it does, you know, in, in the regular season. Guys like OG, guys like Norman Powell are going to have to create a little bit off the dribble. Kyle, we know what his limitations are when he's on the bounce. We know that Fred's limitations are a little bit off. He can't really, you know, break down defenders uh, like you would want him to at the point guard position. So if OG can do that for the Raptors, that will be a huge boost to the offense. And, He's been awful this season. Dreadful. I mean, the dude is is leading the league in terms of turnover rate uh, in, in isolations. And it's close to 50%. Like, that's ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. But that's also an OG from, you know, from the standpoint of a guy that wasn't really confident in his handle. And in the last three games, we've seen him very confident in guys like, you know, Zach Collins is guarding me from the Portland Trailblazers. I know that's a mismatch. Let me go to my handle. Let me get him you know, to the, to the 10 and, and try to finish over top of him. And he did that. Uh, and he's even driving with a functional dribble, getting to the paint and dishing out. He's done that this season, but it hasn't been with a, a crossover move. It's been more when the de- defense has been shifting and he's been able to catch them off guard. But one-on-one, we haven't really seen that much from OG. To see that in these couple games and for Nick Nurse and, and the Raptors to give him that confidence to do that in these couple games could go a very long way in the playoff run. And look, we're talking about this from the perspective of how does this impact the Raptors this season? But I also do think it's important to keep in mind, like OG is still really young and ideally like him and Pascal Siakam, we don't know who's going to be surrounding them over the next five, 10 years, but you'd think that they're still going to be on the team because they do fit really well next to each other. So this is, even though this is important this year, I think it's also important to think, you know, five, six, seven years down the line um, when OG is in his prime and everything. And again, like you're saying, He's never going to be James Harden. He's never going to be someone you want running six ISOs a game. But if you can just attack a mismatch, whether it's in the post when a small player is is on him or take him off the dribble from the perimeter when a bigger guy switches onto him, I think that's only going to help him in the long run too. I got to remind myself that Terrence Davis is also on the team. He's a guy that could probably create his own shot for himself uh, as well. OG, only 23 years old. It feels like the dude's been in the NBA forever. But if he's taking the same trajectory as uh, Pascal Siakam has, Probably won't become an all-star someday, but he could be a secondary scorer, third scorer, uh, when eventually Giannis Antetokounmpo joins the Toronto. (laughs) 
NBA.com is your home for all Raptor news. Right now, if you head on over there to NBA.com, you will find two great articles. The first one, six soon-to-be free agents that the Raptors should keep an eye on in the bubble. Uh, Scott, you wrote this article. There are six guys that you've pointed out that the Raptors may be able to keep their eye on uh, in this Orlando bubble, and more so Raptor fans and guys that probably will fit the Raptors' uh, foundation, what they've already built moving forward. Yeah, there's um, unfortunately the free agent market's not great this offseason. And there's so many question marks as to, you know, what the salary cap is going to look like next season based on the season being suspended and all that, um, which it's going to make things difficult for the Raptors. Like Fred Van Vliet, Marc Gasol, and Serge Ibaka are going to be free agents. So are Ronda Hollis, Jefferson, and Chris Boucher. So um, I, I just think it's important to keep in mind, you know, they may be in the market for replacements. And while there's guys who might not be able to replace them fully, you have a guy like Joe Harris, who's one of the best three-point shooters. I think he'd fit in really well with the Raptors. Um, Jerry and Grant, I'm a huge fan of him. Super versatile, big man, able to stretch the floor as a, as a, as a power forward. He'd fit in like a glove in Nick Nurse's system. Um, Aaron Baines, Goran Dragic, those kind of guys. They're not big names. Um, I don't know if Raptors, the casual Raptors fan would be, you know, fallen over if the Raptors signed them and everything. But the, um, depending on what happens to Van Vliet, Gasol, and all that, um, they can make some really interesting replacements uh, for the Raptors moving forward, I think. Yeah, so that's six soon-to-be free agents that will be playing in the Orlando bubble. The Raptor fans should keep an eye on. Go on NBA.com. You could read that. Also on NBA.com, we have ranked the 30 best players in the NBA before the restart of the regular season. And there are two Raptors featured on the list. Of course, you know who they are, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. We were all over the place in terms of ranking Pascal. He finished 12th on this list. What was, uh, what were, where did you stand on Pascal's ranking? Because I, I think I had them, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head where I had him, but I think I had him around 12. I, same as you, I can't remember exactly where I had him, but I think I had him around uh, 12 or 13. I know I had um, Tatum in, my, in that 10 spot, uh, which was the person who replaced him since we last did these rankings because Siakam was actually in that 10th spot. And I think I had maybe Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul ahead of him or something like that. Yeah. Um, so around that 12 to 13 range, to me, that feels right for Siakam. I know we've talked about him as a potential MVP, a sneaky MVP candidate. He's been getting some love in that regard. An all-NBA kind of guy. I mean, still top 12, 13 player in the league is, is something to be proud of. Um, and that's a huge, a huge development for him. Especially coming from where he has come from, a guy exactly. that uh, wasn't supposed to be in this position. So it's 12 sounds like it's a demotion. Uh, like he's not a top 10 guy, especially when there's only 22 teams heading into the bubble. But that's still a tough top 10 to crack. Like Jason Tatum, who's 10th on the list, won't be 10th on the list when we add Steph Curry, Kevin Durant uh, right. back into the lineup or when we are able to vote for them again. So uh, it, it, 12th, perfect spot for Siakam considering the circumstances. That's really good. You can go to NBA.com and read that list right there. All right, let's get back to the things that we learned from the scrimmage. Uh, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway for me from the scrimmage is came in the final game of the scrimmages, and that was Marcus Gasol. Uh, we all heard about, you know, what skinny Mark uh, has done in the, you know, in the, in the break. He's been able to get in shape. Uh, he looks great. But we still needed to see it on a basketball court. He hasn't played much basketball. Like, he's played a handful of games, I think one game since, uh, you know, in, in, since before the season, since, since February, rather, before the season pause. Like, that's not a lot of basketball to play. Um, and he was looking great 
in January before he went down with an injury. He was averaging, uh, you know, 11 points. He was shooting 60% from the field, 52% from three on four and a half attempts. Like he was playing good basketball before he went down. And, and oh, by the way, he was almost averaging four assists in that, in that break. That's the most he's had uh, in, in a month, uh, tying his, his record in, in, in November for the season. And he, then he gets hurt. And it was a story for pretty much every Raptor this season. Injuries has kind of derailed them once they started to get going. But seeing him against the Phoenix Suns and moving the way he was able to move, he blocked two shots, one right at the rim on DeAndre and absolutely you know, swatted that. The other one, he came weak side and, and, and batted that one. Seeing him move laterally the way he did, uh, you know, with him on the court, we know we're going to get the passing. Like that, he could be out of shape completely. That's never going to go away. But just having the confidence to get up and down the floor, to me, I think that is huge because now you know going into Saturday's matchup with the Lakers, you can start him comf- comfortably. And he may not play a ton of minutes. Maybe he only plays, you know, 25 minutes per game. That's okay because Serge Ibaka has looked amazing, uh, you know, all season long. Yeah, that was going to be my other big takeaway from the scrimmages is that Ibaka just seems like he's going to hit the ground running. And if he continues to play the way he has, it does take a lot of pressure off of Gasol to kind of, you know, play 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, Because at at this stage of his career, I I don't know if he's quite capable of doing that. Um, But like you were saying, he looked great in that last game. I've been skeptical about the whole prime mark thing because (laughs) when, when you say prime mark, like you forget how good Mark Gasol was in his prime. Yeah. Um, and, And to, to expect him to be that player again is just, it's just totally unreasonable. Um, but in saying that, he looked great in that last game. And I think as long as he can stay healthy, like if he is playing 20 minutes a game, that's huge for the Raptors because we've seen it in the games that he has played this season. His numbers are down to career lows across the board. But we've talked about this in a pod before. He still provides incredible spacing as a three-point shooter. He's made like 40% of his three-point attempts this season, which is insane considering he's a center. He's an incredible passer. And like you said, he showed in that game that he's still a really good anchor. Um, you know, doesn't have the foot speed that he did early in his career, but he's still a great rim protector, a genius help defender. Um, I don't know if you saw, Giannis had a really good quote the other day about how he's basically seeing the Raptors' defense um, in his sleep now. He can see Kawhi Leonard and like uh, Marcus Gasol trapping him and everything like that, and he's learned from it. Um, but those are the things that he brings. You know, he's, he's super smart, been a part of great teams in the past, knows how to win, plays winning basketball. And I think, you know, you don't need him averaging 20 points per game anymore. If he can just give you those 20 minutes, even if he's averaging, putting up like five points, nine rebounds like he did against the Suns, um, his impact is way more than the numbers suggest just because he fills in so many different gaps for this team. Yeah, you need him to rebound, you need him to defend, and you need him to move the ball offensively. Uh, but it's a huge plus I think the the, the the huge plus is the shooting, you know, from three-point range. Yeah. Uh, we know that in the playoffs last year, it was a little bit hesitant in, in, in letting the trigger go. If he is more confident, and like he was in the middle of January where he's playing great basketball uh, and shooting, you know, four and a half times from three-point range now where the majority of his shots are going to come, I, I think that is a huge plus for the Toronto Raptors because now you can't leave him alone anyway, but now you, ha- you can't hesitate to get out there. you got to guard him out there, and that's going to pull – you know, it's going to open up driving lanes for maybe OG in his newfound handle and, and take some pressure off of Siakam, which we know a ton of it will be on uh, once we get to the playoffs. Everybody's going to be on focus on stopping Pascal Siakam and forcing 
the other Raptors to step up. Marcus Gasol is part of the other Raptors, and he's going to have to score some baskets when the team need when the offense stalls at some point uh, in the postseason. So, yeah, to me, Marcus Gasol, you know, seeing him skinny is great, and we we uh, you know we had fun with it, but seeing him on the court and healthy and confident in his in his you know in his body and and being able to move the way he was able to move, I know it was a scrimmage. I'm not going to take a ton away from that, but. He also was going up against DeAndre Ayton, who's no joke. Like, DeAndre Ayton, I think people forget, number one overall draft pick. I know how great Luka Doncic is, and he's probably outshined DeAndre Ayton. But DeAndre Ayton's still averaging close to 20 and 10 in the regular season. Like, he is going to be a good player at some point. So, for Gasol to look as good as he did against that sort of competition gave me a, a lot of confidence in, in, in seeing that uh, Gasol's back, and it's not just a cosmetic body change. It is really, uh, you know... Uh, a functional body change for what the Raptors are going to do. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add on, on, on the Gasol? I will just say I'm encouraged. I, I was a little worried after he didn't play in that first game because we, before the Rockets game, Nurse said everyone was available and then Gasol just didn't play. And um, afterwards he said it was for matchup reasons, which makes total sense. But I was a little bit worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he played 10 minutes against the Blazers and then he just, he doubled that. He played nearly 20 minutes against the Suns and looked great. So I think that's, all of that is just encouraging signs entering the season restart. Yeah, he, he needs to take his time. He's not in shape yet, right? right. Like, he's in sh- cosmetic shape, but he's not in basketball, basketball shape. shape. Yeah, yeah, basketball shape is a completely different beast. Absolutely. So you got you to take your time with that. And, you know, now we found out that the Raptors are a little bit more deeper, and that might be something that uh, we talk about now. Um, I, that, the, the smaller takeaway that I had from uh, three, you know, scrimmages is the fact that this team is, is deep. <laughs> it is 12 <laughs> deep, like legitimately 12 deep. You can get to your 12th man, and that's probably Matt Thomas, uh, maybe, you know, uh, Pat McCaw at this point. And if they step on the court for, if they have to play for, you know, 15 to 17 minutes, you're not, you know, you're not cringing. How many teams can say that? How many teams can say that they're going to get a three-point specialist who's shooting 46% from three and who we now know can come off screens with the dribble and pull up. We didn't see that all season long from Matt Thomas. Dude was looking great with that pull-up jump shot on uh, in three from in those scrimmages. Uh, his defense still is, you know, wanting a little bit. But the weapon that he is offensively, you can find minutes for guys like that in the NBA. If he was on a lesser team, I think he would be playing 15 minutes to 17 minutes per game. He's on the Raptors where he's a 12th guy they don't necessarily need three-point shooting. They're still a great three-point shooting team. I think they're sixth in the league right now in, in three-point shooting. And, you know, even without him, I think they only fall two spots. Uh, if you take away his production from three-point range, which is 46%, uh, they only fall two spots. Like, it's not a big drop-off without him and his production. So it, to have that much talent uh, at your disposal, where we started the season saying, how deep is this team really if Nick Nurse is going to use a playoff rotation through the first month of the season pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, is, is incredible to get to this point where Nick Nurse now has guys where he might be disappointed if he doesn't find minutes for them. And I think that's the silver lining to the Raptors dealing with as many injuries as they have this season. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they haven't suffered many losses because of it, which is remarkable. But it's before, it's forced Nick Nurse to give guys like Chris Boucher more minutes, you know, lean on Matt Thomas, lean on Terrence Davis and see what they can do. Um, and he's really challenged. And we've talked about it before too. the whole Terrence Davis plays terribly one game nurse calls him out and then puts him in the starting lineup heading into a game against the Hornets. And then he carries that team to victory. Um, and, and I think the interesting thing to me is going to be seeing over the next couple of weeks, how nurse figures out the rotate, the back end of the rotation, because usually teams go about eight deep 
going into the playoffs. And we know the seven who are going to play for the Raptors. We don't even have to go through it. Um, but I, I do wonder if Nurse is kind of going to settle on an eighth guy, whether that is, you know, Terrence Davis, Patrick McCall, who he seems to like more than pretty much anyone else does for, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, or if he kind of just rotates guys out. Like you're saying, maybe they need more three-point shooting against the Bucks, So he rides with 10 minutes with Matt Thomas in the second quarter. Uh, maybe he needs a little bit more three and D. So he goes with Terrence Davis. Maybe he needs, you know, more rim protection. So he goes with Boucher. Um, so I do think that maybe we'll get a better answer of that going into the seeding games, um, kind of how he figures out the end of that rotation. Um, because the good thing is he has – the hard thing is figuring out which of those guys is more deserving of those minutes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great problem to have, uh, especially since we started the season, like I said, wondering how deep this team is. What's, uh, what's a small well. takeaway that you had uh, from, from this uh, three-game scrimmage? The, the, the last thing that kind of jumped out to me when watching the, the Suns game uh, was we saw the jumbo lineup that we've been hearing so much about for mm. a few minutes. And look, if you look at the numbers from it this season, they've only played 30 minutes together, but they've, they've obliterated teams. Um, right. I think their net rating is like 30 points per 100 possessions, which is nuts. <laughs> I wouldn't take much away from that because it's such a small sample size. And I think we're all aware of the limitations of that lineup. Um, you know, playing two big guys in the front court in Ibaka and Gasol, and then not really having that much volume three-point shooting um, with Lowry, Ananobi, and Siakam in the backcourt. Um, but I, I do think it's a situational thing. I think it's something that we could see against the Bucks and the Sixers, maybe the Lakers if they face them in the finals, uh, which we don't have to get into if we think the, Lake, if the Raptors can do that. But um, I, I do kind of wonder how viable that lineup is. We didn't see a ton of it in that game. I'm not going to, you know, think there's big takeaways to take from that scrimmage and everything like that uh but that, that, that's one thing that kind of caught my eye us going to that early in the first quarter uh, for a few minutes and seeing if he does actually go with it moving forward yeah and the the thing that people forget like you know he's talked about using this you know in the past in the regular season uh and and obviously over the break they just haven't been healthy enough for him to even be able to go to it so the fact yeah. that they're now fully healthy and he has the option to go to that that may show up in the playoffs against, you know, for, as you said, the Bucks And it, really the Sixers is, is the team that comes to my mind that they probably should have been able to, to do that a little bit more last season. Uh, but it, didn't, it just didn't work out that way. Um, but having the option to go jumbo and even they could even go super jumbo with both Mark and, uh, you know, Serge and, and, and maybe even, you know, Pascal and, and just take Larry out of it completely. And, and yeah. if OG's handle can improve and, and go with an ultra, ultra big lineup, that's, you know, who, who knows – where, where we go with that. Um, so that is, you know, something that's, uh, you know, again, I'm excited about to see uh, from, from Nick Nurse's not only how the rotation goes, but the different combinations he's able to, uh, to kind of put on the floor and test things out, uh, albeit small sample sizes. Um, the one last thing I want to say before we get out of here and, 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 and for Raptors fans to, to, to really take note of and be excited about is the fact that this team looked as good as they did in the three scrimmages. I know they lost to the Suns yesterday, but that was kind of you know a throw a throwaway game from them. It was the last game of the scrimmage. It was really more so get guys out there, get them some some cardio, really, for lack of a better term. And and they even came back towards the end uh, with the, with you know with the young guys on the floor. But the fact that they were able to come in and and you you know Serge Ibaka has looked as good as he has. You wrote about that. Uh, Kyle Lowry looks like he's in prime Kyle Lowry form. <laughs> Dude's drawing charges. Four, <laughs> drawing four charges in three scrimmages. It's just it's outrageous. He he is taking this seriously. And those two guys, 
you know, some of the vocal leaders of the locker room. You know, we know that. We know that Pascal is the go-to guy. It's his, you know, he's, he's the best player on the team, but maybe he's not the vocal leader yet. It's clearly Kyle Lowry. It's Kyle Lowry's team, no question about it. But I think Serge has now taken over, over as, as that secondary voice in the locker room, the guy that may step up when they need him to. And for those two guys to show that they didn't come back out of shape, they, did, they came back in prime shape, ready to go, regardless of whether this is scrimmage or not, shows me a lot and, and shows me the professionalism that this team uh, is approaching this, you know, these eight games with. You know, I, I was expecting them maybe to to not go as far as the Clippers have gone, where they they really don't care about these eight games, and they and they've made that clear. They're more so worried about the playoffs. But the Raptors have taken every single game seriously, and and it looks like that. Uh, and and that's a huge positive, I think, if you're a Toronto Raptor fan, because it is it's a culture now. It, this is this is what they do going forward. And if you remember, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know. 10 games in a regular season um, are, are won or lost on effort. And the Raptors are in second place right now in the Eastern Conference because they won a lot of those effort games that they could have lost. You and I were working the night where they came back out of nowhere against the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks at one point were up 81-51 in the second half, and a timeout was called, and everything changed. And the, that's a game that most teams, I think 95% of the league, would – you know, mail it in and be like, all right, it's not our night. It's a Sunday night. Uh, we're going to go home to our families and, and, and worry about the, the rest of the, the, the regular season. It's an 82-game season. What's one loss? The Raptors did not give up that night. And I think they've had that mentality all season long. We've, they've dealt with the injuries. We, we've, we've discussed it many times. Fifth most man games lost to injury. Doesn't matter who's there. They haven't made excuses. It, you know, as you said earlier in the podcast, Nick Nurse has called out Terrence Davis on, on multiple occasions and Chris Boucher. These are two guys who are going to be on the back end of the rotation when they're healthy. And not only that, Terrence Davis is, is an undrafted rookie, but he's getting held to the standard of a guy that's in the regular rotation constantly because that's where Nick Nurse wants the standard. Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Stan Johnson come in, maybe joking around too much in training camp. Nick Nurse doesn't waste time calling them out to get them to the championship level that he expects them to be at. Whenever a, a player now is putting on the Raptor jersey, it comes with an expectation that you bring it regardless of the circumstance. And we saw that in the three scrimmages. We've seen that now with a, a four-month break, pretty much, uh, where there was no basketball. These guys were in shape. You know, We joked about Serge, and, and, and the internet had fun with the workouts that Serge was posting online. But the dude was working out, and that's clear. And there's going to be a lot of players. There's 22 teams. There's going to be a lot of players over the next two weeks that are going to look like they're getting back into shape, whereas Serge, Kyle Lowry already proved to the rest of the world that they're ready to go on Saturday night when they take the Lakers on. And I think that trickles down to the rest of the team. It sets the standards for the young guys. We see that OG's been working on his game. It's not like he's just been getting in shape. He was handling a little bit more. You know, we, we talked about – Pat. you talked about Pascal, uh, you know, going to the mid-range, where that hasn't been something that has been effective for him. He's used this break as maybe an offseason to work on that part of his game, which will have to show up in the playoffs. All of those things matter. And I think that's one of the takeaways that, I, uh, you know, from the three scrimmages is that this Raptor team, they're coming in no matter what, no matter the circumstance, they're coming in the best possible way that they can. And their effort is always going to be there. And that will win you more games than it won't. I think that's really well put. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about, 
kind of where the Raptors are heading into the season restart in regards to potentially winning a championship. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, I, I've kind of talked myself more into the Raptors. Not that I think they're actually going to beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference or anything like that, but I do think they have a better chance than I initially gave them just because I think, look, this is unprecedented circumstances. We have no idea what's going to happen in the bubble. We have no idea how teams are going to play um, without fans and all this and everything. But if you have a team that's as well-coached as the Raptors, um, as disciplined as they are, guys from 1 to 15 who are all bought in, know their role, play their ass off every single time they take the court, um, I, I think that that can probably, you know, balance the scales a little bit in their favor. Because um, like you're saying, there's 10 games every year that you win on effort. The Raptors win those games. They bring it every single night. Um, and I think given this situation and how weird it is um, with the bubble in Orlando, I think all that stuff is only going to help them. Yeah, and I, I don't see, I think that's part of Kawhi Leonard's legacy that he left behind this team. You know that he was one of the best players in the NBA, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA when he left the team. But he left behind those little breadcrumbs that I think guys like Kyle Lowry, who was obviously an awesome leader before Kawhi Leonard, but he got to the next level just learning from a Kawhi Leonard and showing up every day with a championship level of expectation versus just being, hey, we're a really good team that we think we could do something. No, no, no. Now it's a team that we think we could win the title regardless of what's happening around us, who's showing up on a daily basis, who's out of the lineup. Doesn't matter. There's no excuses on this team. It's every time we step on the floor, we have a chance to win the game. And I think that mentality really came from Kawhi Leonard and the famous, you know, Nick Nurse saying we should go out and split in, in Oakland and Kawhi Leonard saying, no, no, we'll, we'll take the two of them is really the moment where I think the rest of the team, you know, has learned from them. We see it with Norman Powell, who's come back from multiple injuries where forget about working yourself back into lineup. Dude's coming back playing better yeah. than he left. Those are the type of things that I think uh, may go unnoticed from, you know, some fans that I think they really need to appreciate with this team. They're not going to lose because of lack of effort. Uh, they may lose because, you know, they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore. They may not win a championship because they don't have Kawhi Leonard, but uh, they, they're going to give it, they're going to swing all the way till the gas tank is empty. And that goes all the way down the lineup right until, you know, the Matt Thomases and, and the Chris Boucher's who are fighting for minutes on a nightly basis. So, uh, you know, Raptor fans, you should be excited about that. You should also be excited about this very podcast. We will be coming back to you later in the week with a preview of the first game. Scott, we're back. The first back. game, baby. <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're back. Uh, the, the, the Raptors take on the Lakers right out of the gate. Uh, what a test. I mean, we'll say it. A finals preview. A finals preview. Raptors, Lakers, 8 p.m. Eastern. 8.30 p.m. rather, Eastern time. We'll be back with a preview of that game later on in the week. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. We'll see you in a couple of days to talk real basketball in the Orlando bubble.